0: Now, Scotland's Talkin'. Call 0333 2020 401 and join the debate.
1: Sunday morning, I'm Ali Bally. This is Scotland's Talkin'. Music and conversation. On the programme this morning, what do you think should be done about so-called professional beggars in our city? Business leaders in Glasgow are starting a campaign to get police and the council to drive the organised gangs out of the city centre. wouldn't take an Einstein
2: to work out the
1: one that's begging and the one that has a business of begging. Also coming up between now and midday, is a gay pride march a step too far for the Highlands? These
2: parades, these marches, they have very little empathy or respect for moral values, for moral integrity.
1: Hundreds of people have been signing petitions for and against plans for the event in Inverness next month. Tell me where you stand on that. And on another subject where there are strong opinions, do you think Weatherspoons is right to ban dogs from its pubs? Animal charities say they've got it wrong.
3: Dogs are very sociable animals. What we would like to see is establishments becoming more dog-friendly, not going the other way.
1: It's cost £80 million, taken three and a half years to build and they reckon it'll pull in half a million visitors a year. This weekend, the doors are open at last at the V&A Dundee.
3: We're very proud. It's an emotional moment for all of us and I hope it will be for the very many people that will come here. It's a historic moment for Dundee.
1: That's the museum director, Philip Long. So tell me what you think of it. Will it transform the perception of Dundee? Just some of the things that we'll be talking about between now and midday. Hopefully you'll join me on the phones. Phone line is 0333-2020-401. And a reminder, of course, it's only a local rate to call us, but some phone providers may apply further charges. So here we are there into n- another week on Scotland's Talk and some interesting topics today as well. Looking for your comments as always. I'll give you all the ways you can get in contact in a few moments' time. And we start off today with looking at something that we're going to look at affecting Glasgow, but affects cities and towns all across Scotland. And I'm talking about professional begging. Uh, there's a warning, jobs are going to be lost and bars and restaurants could close if most some other things I've done about it. Um, and looking into this for us, on special assignment for Scotland's Talking, uh, Natalie Crawford, our reporter, um, and she joins me now. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning, Ali. Now then, you were given uh, fairly exclusive access to the first ever, was it, Glasgow Action Group meeting? Yes. They're, yeah, yep. right. Now, they're calling for a crackdown on antisocial behaviour in the city centre. They say... It's having an effect on business and keeping people away. Tell us more.
4: yeah, so this was the the first meeting of of this new group. It's being spearheaded by James Mortimer, who is a big businessman in Glasgow, He owns Regano and also twenty nine Royal Exchange Square and also Kevin McGuire, who owns Metropolitan Bar in the Merchant City. They say basically jobs will be lost, bars and restaurants will close if more isn't done to what they are calling an epidemic of drug use, aggressive begging, and alcohol fueled problems in the city. I caught up with Kevin just after the meeting, so let's first of all listen to what he had to say about the problem.
2: Like leisure businesses in Glasgow, specifically in the Merchant City, our business is concentrated largely into a weekend. Friday, Saturday is the big day, to a lesser degree Sunday. And those that are begging in the streets and drug u- users and abusers use that time being the busiest in terms of footfall to, uh, if you like, beg and threaten. It therefore reduces turnover, and James alluded to it earlier. Turnovers in the areas, central areas of Glasgow, are down because people are not coming in, and they're not coming in because they don't feel safe.
4: And let's be clear, we're not targeting genuinely homeless people here, are we?
2: Genuinely homeless people need help, not more abuse. But it it wouldn't take an Einstein to work out the one that's begging and the one that has a business of begging. And and the gentleman here from the council already know that. The problem is what to do about it. What powers do the police have? Or do they have the resources, even if they have their powers? And I suspect it's somewhere in the middle.
1: You know, Natalie, I can so identify with what Kevin was talking about there because uh, a few months ago, my wife and I were in Glasgow for the night and we went for a meal in the Merchant City. And when we come out, we were accosted by... so. Going back to where we were staying for the night, uh, we were accosted by so many beggars and the word professional beggars certainly came to mind and it certainly would put me off going back again. But there's obviously a lot to tackle here, starting with the term aggressive begging, as I was saying. What exactly do you think we're talking about here?
4: Okay, so obviously it goes without saying that the issue of homelessness in Glasgow and across Scotland is really, really complex. You know yourself, I've been on this show before talking about it. I slept rough myself last year, so I know that it's a real complex issue. But what we're seeing, particularly in Glasgow at the moment, that there is a group of people who aren't necessarily homeless do have roofs over their heads and they're coming into the city to beg because they see it as a profitable way to make money. The police know they exist. They gave me a statement that says, you know, we are aware that some people beg professionally and exploit those that wish to help others. One of the figures that was bandied about at this Glasgow Action Group meeting was £400 a day.
1: Wow. Yeah. So you can see where the professional side is coming into it, isn't it? They, they, they are yeah. not the genuine homeless.
4: Absolutely. And we were also past footage um that, that was taken at Royal Exchange Square, which shows a man who has disguised himself as a beggar, if disguised is the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sitting with a, a blanket over his, his legs and, and a cup in front of him, and people are walking past him, up and down, up and down, and a young man approaches him, and what he pulls a big wad of cash out his breast pocket, and what appears to be a drug deal goes down. And then the young man walks away, and then people are putting back into this man's cup. Right, right. So. Th- this is what people that are coming to our city are seeing and businesses are saying it's putting people off. People don't want to come into the city centre anymore. And I actually spoke to a tourist. His name is, is John Pickford. And, and that's what his experience was of Glasgow.
2: Look, I'm one of the first to put my hands in my pockets and dig out any loose change for anyone unfortunate enough to be sleeping out on the streets. But I felt really threatened by one guy who was demanding that I paid him after I just took a picture in the city centre. And I was even more horrified to see guys with mobile phones organising where these men and women should sit to get the best chance of getting money from tourists like me.
4: And the thing about this as well, Ali, is it's not just tourists who are being impacted by this antisocial behaviour, this aggressive begging, drug dealing, um, alcohol-fuelled violence in the city. I spoke to Amy Cox, who is the manager of Regano on Royal Exchange Square, and she's told me she's actually scared to go to her work sometimes. I've had to deal with four different life incidents. I mean, I work in a restaurant, I don't need to be dealing with all this kind of added stuff as well. needles and things like Yeah there's needles I've seen, I don't know, I've lost track now how many people have overdosed now in front of the work, um, we've had them coming into our terrace area and taking handbags and things off the tables um, it's, just, it's hard for one person to be there constantly, it's it's can't avoid it anymore I've been verbally abused I've had someone try to hit me um, other members of the staff have had to get involved um, the person the, the slash his throat outside the yes bar a couple of months ago he was in our work first of all trying to get into the toilets and i had to tell him no so a really harrowing experience there and no one should ever have to go to their work and feel scared or threatened regardless of what you do but least of all this woman is a restaurant manager in glasgow city centre
1: i know and people just walking in off the street and thinking you know That they can either threaten or say they're using uh, the facilities. Um, It's it's just giving a totally bad impression. And as I've said before, this is, I, I do travel around Scotland quite a bit, and it's not just. Uh, in Glasgow, but Glasgow seem to be wanting to do something about it, or the business leaders do anyway. What What's the reaction uh, from police? Um, uh, what What are they saying to this? So
4: obviously, I touched on it before, they, they've they told me that they are aware that, that people beg professionally and they do exploit people that, that want to help others. Obviously, we know that, that Glasgow is a very giving and caring city, um, but unfortunately, some people are taking advantage of that Um, they suggest that people give to homeless charities instead of giving directly to beggars on the street Um, and they are aware that begging is a complex issue but it's not a criminal offence itself unless it becomes aggressive. Now we know that it is becoming aggressive but what are the chances of the police being in the area and seeing that Mm. as it happens? So it's almost as if their hands are tied a little bit. Um, The Local authority, Glasgow City Council, they are aware that it's an issue as well and what they're introducing in the next couple of months is a social inclusion officer. Now what this person will do will go around Glasgow city centre with a tablet and their job is to sign people up for universal credit which will be coming into the city, um, introduced in the city in the next couple of months. Uh, The idea is they'll work along with the Simon community street team, they'll go out, they'll sign people up, they'll get them photo id, they'll get them bank accounts, there's a homeless hub opening in the city in January which people will be able to use as a correspondence address, because I'm not sure if you know, but Universal Credit now has to be applied for entirely online. Right. And obviously, these people who live these chaotic lifestyles, they don't have access to things like that. So the whole idea around this is they'll be given that, and hopefully that will negate the need for them to sit on the streets and beg, unfortunately, being looking at this a bit cynically, For the people who are on the streets making £400 a day and they're in the business of begging, that's not going to take them off the streets.
1: You and I being cynical together, I was ahead of you (laughs) thinking to myself, hang on a minute, that might help those who are genuinely homeless. But the professional beggars that we are talking about Will not be interested in getting their photo taken, their details, putting on a tablet, and an address, and everything. They're not interested in that, are they?
4: No, absolutely not. And I think that's the the issue um, that the local authority and the police are coming up against time time and time again. And obviously, the businesses are getting frustrated to the point where they have started this Glasgow Action Group, and they're really demanding. Action now. I think um, the, the two gentlemen that I mentioned that are spearheading this, James Mortimer and Kevin Maguire, between them, they, they employ upwards of about 600 people in the mm. city. If their businesses close because of this antisocial behaviour, do you know that's a lot of jobs and a big impact in Glasgow's economy?
1: Well, I think that um, both these gentlemen you mentioned have been in business in Glasgow for a long time. Yep. Um, they're very strong businessmen. Um, they 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 know what they're talking about, and as you say, they've got they are responsible for a lot of people's jobs. So if they are coming out and saying we need something done here, then then now is the time I would think to do it. because all these all these chattings it's okay. But it's a case of how do we move them, how do we stop this? How do we get them to and, and do they go somewhere else? Because as I said before, it's not just in Glasgow. Um, hang on a second with me, um, just so I give out the, the phone number and stuff here, Natalie, and we'll get some calls coming in. O Trouble three, twenty twenty four oh one. Is is this something that is affecting where you live, where you maybe go shopping, where you you know, does it annoy you, do you feel threatened or do you think they're earning a living just the same as everybody else 0333 treble 401 is the number, if you'd like to join us it's only a local rate to call us but some phone providers may apply for their charges you can also text and the text number is 61054 start your message with Ali email ali at thegreatesthits.co.uk and a reminder we're on Twitter at hashtag Scotland's talking um, Michelle's in Glasgow, Michelle Good morning to you. Hello, Michelle. Speak to me. Hi,
5: Ali.
1: Speak on the phone.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Hiya.
1: Right, OK. Um,
5: have, you, have you not uh, learned how
1: to use a phone yet?
5: No, I'm painting.
1: You're painting, <laughs> all right. I'm sorry to take you away from your painting. Right, what I'm do you want to, to say? I'm
5: trying to leave it off. Um, the professional best years. Now, I was in City Centre a few months back meeting my friend. I was meeting the at City Knox.
1: Which, uh, right, Glasgow, saw, Glasgow City Centre, right, just so I know yep. what you're talking about, okay.
5: Yep, and I saw a whole crowd of these foreign people giving this guy money. The guy turned up in a big fancy Merck, and I and I do believe in like, try to help people, but what I do is I'll go to McDonald's, I'll get them a burger, ask them if they want tea, coffee, and I'll give them food rather than giving money, but the... the I, I actually judge people because I look at their shoes and go, you'll get better trainers than me and I work hard for a living.
1: Michelle, when, you, when you've offered people a cup of coffee or, or a burger or whatever, have you ever had them turn it down? No. No, right, okay. Did I, um, you know, maybe they
5: do get me have... pedantic? Um, can I get coffee instead of tea and can I get four sugars?
1: <laughs> Put your order in here.
5: Yes, no, I'm just going to get a Happy Meal with a coffee and I'll bring back some salt, some ketchup and there was a wee guy there, a wee dog at Debenham and I was nearly late for work doing this Um, and he ended up giving the dog the burger and he ate the chips. Right. You're thinking it's a shame, but
1: you do do see the organised, you have seen the organised groups.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, the guy drove up in a big fancy Merck and as I say, they're quite judgmental to who I give money to. Because if I look at them and I realise they've got better trainers than me and I work full time, then they're obviously not homeless. They're just there to get money for their drug habit or their drink habit or whatever they're into. But it's, it's, I can understand where the businesses are coming from because it is scary mm-hmm. getting into the town. Mm-hmm. I mean, my brother get followed by a guy selling a big issue at a central station because my brother wouldn't give money. And he just kept badgering them, and my brother went down to the big issue office and reported the guy, mm-hmm. because they've all got side badges as to where they sit.
1: Yeah, and normally um, those selling the big issue are, are I've always found, very courteous. Mitchell, glad you get back to your painting. Thank you very much indeed. Billy Davis is here. Billy, hi.
6: Hi, Ali, how you doing? I'm all right,
1: thank you. Good, you're good, you're good. in air. Is, a, is yes. there a problem in air? Yes, Ali, it's a big problem in air. It
6: really as I know I was listening to some of your callers here for the big cities here. Uh, But we've got the problem in there. I was actually, we were doing a job outside the Black Bull in there. It got burnt down and one of the site agents said to me, Billy, come and watch this. Now this is organised, this is organised. Where uh, the shop across from the the Black Bull, cash cash for clothes or clothes for cash or something. Now, uh, the Mercedes pulled up, the Porsche pulled up, you could see the two guys who were Eastern European. Walked in there, they went maybe say about half an hour. And later, but half an hour later, six, six women come out. Six women into wheelie bins, got the plastic cups or whatever, the paper cups. Two went this way, two went that way, two went. That way. Now this is organised. I mean, I speak to people, and people tell me they don't want to come into the town. Mm-hmm. They'd rather go to, like, say Silverburn when it's enclosed and things like this. You know, to do their shopping because they're intimidated by these beggars. I think the council or the police or somebody should start doing something now. Because I don't mind giving to people who are homeless or whatever, you know, to help, try and help them out. But this is organised, you know. It's time to say, no, we have right. had enough.
1: Let's, um, uh, Billy, just go back to, to Natalie here. Because, Natalie, what um, Billy's saying's happening in, in air uh, is, is not illegal, is it? That's the problem that the police have. It's yeah, not so
4: illegal. It, begging isn't illegal unless it's aggressive, which we know it is, but unless they catch these... People the in Nathalie,
6: the, there's Nathalie, not much they must, can do. What you're saying, Natalie, they are they, they are very intimidating? Some of them are quite aggressive to people.
4: Oh, I think. completely ag- ag- agree. We know we heard the experience there of John Pickford, the tourist that had been in Glasgow, yeah, and he yeah. felt intimidated. We don't want to put people off, but what the solution is, I don't know, and I'm not sure if the police or the local Nathalie, authorities know yet. What is the
6: big picture here? Is there people? Trying to make a living, shops and retailers and things that are trying to make a living, mm. but people are not coming in. They'd maybe rather go to Silverburn and some of these like Heathfield and places like this, you know what I mean? Instead of coming into the town, where local people are maybe suffering. Unfortunately,
4: that is the reality, and that's what we're hearing from these business leaders in Glasgow. People are being put off coming into yep, the city. Yep, yep. Nightlife is dying because yep. people would rather go, come in early, leave early.
6: I mean, I remember when I was a young boy. Here used to be a lovely place to come. It's a holiday town, thing You know what I mean? And it just puts people off. And it's it's really embarrassing. It's embarrassing to see. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame for a lot of these people who understand that. And it shouldn't happen in this day and age. It really is. But most of these people are Eastern European people. You know what I mean?
1: Okay, Billy. Thank you very much indeed. I've got um, uh, one in from Bill Gillis. Morning, Bill. Hopefully you're well. He says uh, the majority of beggars I see are foreign. Scotland voted uh, for Brexit and we should be able to to keep them out. We can't have it both ways is uh, what he's basically saying. So, um, again, if you um, have the same problem where you are and it annoys you, then uh, then let us know about it. Get in touch. Uh, Natalie, for the moment, uh, thank you for kicking this off today uh, in the report. Um, Do you think, uh, having been sitting in at the meeting and having the experience of of i know you you know as you say been on the program before sleeping out do you think what james and kevin and the organisation uh, are calling for is going to be listened to by the authorities?
4: I do think so. So um, it is really important to say that Glasgow City Council did attend this meeting. They were invited and Councillor Alan Casey, um, who is the chair of kind of the, the Begging Strategy Working Group for Glasgow City Council, he did come along, he did address businesses, he spoke to them and they are looking into all these different things. Like I mentioned, the social inclusion officer, the homeless hub and, and they are opening a dialogue with businesses. But but like I said, what the, the solution to this is, I'm not sure they know um, at the at the moment but they are engaging and that is really important
1: Great. Natalie, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme. Thank you very morning. much. Thank you. Natalie Crawford on special assignment there for Scotland's Talking and uh, once again uh, we'll get some more calls and some more comments the way to get in contact if it's something that if you find affects you. We're talking there about Glasgow what about Aberdeen, what about Dundee um, we'll be talking about Dundee and the V&A Dundee effect on the city a little later on but will this encourage these organised groups to get into Dundee as well more tourists coming in um, I've been Aberdeen, in Aberdeen. They're sitting around Aberdeen. But are they the organised groups or are they the genuine person that is homeless? Your thoughts, please, on OTREble3 2020 401. That's Scotland's Talking phone number. The text number is 61054. Start your message with Ali. You can contact me on the emails. Email address is ali at uk. And, of course, we're on Twitter. Hashtag Scotland's Talking.
6: Scotland's In the podcast.
1: So there's a warning, jobs could be lost and bars and restaurants could close if more isn't done to tackle antisocial behaviour in our cities across Scotland. In Glasgow, business owners, as we heard, coming together to demand action on things like drug use, aggressive begging and street drinking. A third say it's driving away customers. There are two types of beggars now. People who clearly need help and others who aren't homeless. They're well-dressed. As Michelle was saying, let's look at the trainers. If they're wearing better trainers than you, gives you a clue. Carry blankets for a show and carry mobile phones. Please call them professional beggars and say what they're doing isn't illegal unless it's aggressive. But does it have an effect on you? Do you actually, when, you know, when Michelle was talking there, one of our callers about stopping and offering, not giving them money, but offering to go and get them something, out uh, a fast food joint, or uh, do you actually give them something because you feel sorry for them? And, and yeah, I, I have as well. But you do think to yourself sometimes, is this just a story? You know, because um, I've had the stories as well. Well, you know, I had this happen to me, that happened to me. And this is how I found myself in this situation. Are these the genuine ones? How do you know? Is it something that's affected you? Phone number Three, 202401. Uh Shirley's in Glasgow. Hi, Shirley.
7: Hi, good morning, Ali. Good morning to you. Uh, yeah, I would like to speak about the homeless because it's really getting to me as well now. Okay. Uh, unbelievable. My boy was on the street, which I didn't know about for about four days. I learned a few things from him. He told me that there's places like missionaries where they can go and get food, and they set the tables and it's all lovely and they have people there they can speak to which helped my son. Which I believe helped my son because my son was going through a problem with gambling so he ended up in the streets. Uh, he's now sorted, but I've got to the point now where I feel every time you're going into the town, they're begging and yes, there is ones there, it's conning. I learnt that through my boy as well that they're just out there to make money and they can make up to four to £600 a day. Mm. Uh, which I think is disgraceful, because it doesn't help the people that's generally homeless. There's drug people out there, which I know a few people that's in the street, and they have had help, but they didn't want to take it, they wanted to take their drugs. So I don't see why people should be giving them money, food, whatever it is. But how, how do you know
1: though? How do you know, surely when that's going on? How do you know who they are and the difference? Well,
7: you kind of walk down the street because of where you come from, right? Or because you've been associated maybe with certain people. And then you walk down the turn, and then you kind of go, I know that face, mm-hmm. and then you kind of gather where that person comes from, right? But some of them are generally homeless, like the ones that's on the drugs. Are, they believe are generally homeless, right? But I believe they put themselves there, right? For first of all, because I've experienced it, so I feel like they people, they could go to the missionary. I know that there's people down the turn that stand there, and I think it's like Asian people wear the gear clothes and the gear food. I've heard that as well to the homeless. Uh, I've gave them food, I don't give them money now. After what my boy told me, I don't give them no money now. If I feel that generally, you know, you feel that that person is homeless, I will go into Greg's or somewhere and maybe get them something and give them a signage, whatever. But if I feel they're not homeless or I get that sense after them that they're just begging, I don't give them nothing. I won't buy them now.
1: Was the four days that your son was on the streets, did he find it scary?
7: Yes. I mean, I thought he was sorted, if you get what I mean. He says to me, I've got a, a place. Well, I thought he had a place, but what he was doing was queuing up every night, and he had a job as well. He was queuing up every night to get a bed. right? And he did get the bed. And then when I found out about it, I was quite shocked, actually. So I got him back here, and I brought him back here for a couple of days. And that place at the missionary, which I'm going to take my heart after them, because they saved my boy. Uh, they got him a place to stay. They fed him every day, they kept his back, his case to let him go to work. So I know there's places there where the homeless can actually go. If they're generally homeless, they know where to go. So the only way you're going to stop it, as everybody keeps on saying, is stop giving them money, because that's why they're there to get the money. Mm -hmm. So if you stop giving them the money, and you maybe, like if you think they're genuine yourself, everybody to their own, give them a sandwich or something give them something to eat, give them a hot drink, give them a cup of soup if it's cold in the winter. You know, make sure they're okay. I do agree with that because maybe they should be homeless. But for the ones that's just mucking it, yep. now nah, come on, it's got to stop.
1: Okay, thank you very much indeed, Shirley. Talking there, the um, the homeless against the professional beggars. And as I said, what they're doing isn't illegal unless they're aggressive. Right, let's go to John. Morning, John.
8: Morning, Ali. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm all right, thank you. I'm um, okay. Right, so you are um taxi driver in Glasgow. You must see a few sights on the streets.
8: Yes, well, I'll tell you, Ali, exactly what's happening. I've got, well, I call them friends. The people who I have spoke to who have been on the street for one reason or another, and who are on the street, uh, maybe it's, mental issues, maybe it's booze, it doesn't matter, I've spoke to them, I've chatted with them, when I'm sitting at the rank, I see them sitting, I've got to know some of them by names. Now, here's what's happening in Glasgow Alley. These professional beggars, they come into the city, first of all, team-handed with burly boys, and they clear the area, so if you're a beggar, or you're, you've got a pitch, what they call a pitch, and that's the pitch that you work every day, maybe outside a shop or whatever. They clear that area. They threaten you. Move or you're going to get it. Once they clear the area, they put in the rain people. Now, if you come into the city centre, I'm round about the half, seven, quarter to eight mark of any morning. I've seen Mercedes. I've seen Volkswagen people carriers. They bring them in, I don't know from where, but they bring them in and they put them into the pitches. These are all professional begg- eh, beggars. And they are widespread. The same way the guys who do the big issue, they've been threatened, moved out. Now, the only way to stop this, Sally, is it's very simple. Have a city where they don't have to beg. Have a city where they've got a roof over their head. Everybody's so keen and, oh, we've got to do this and we need money for that and we need money for the other. And yet we're own decent people, people who live in this city for one reason or another, are lying homeless and they shouldn't be. It should be a priority for the Scottish Government, the British Government and the Council to make sure that these people have got a roof over their head. And if you do that, then you've got a situation where they have no reason to beg. But that's the, the the height of the organisation in the city, Ali. And also what they do is, well, they're sitting begging outside the main shops. They're looking at security. They're looking at the way things work, and they're giving the nod and the wink to the their
1: colleagues. Mm. So a major problem, as James Mortimer and Kevin Maguire were saying in Natalie's report, you would agree with
8: that. Aye, but oh yes, but you're just touch, you're just touching the tip of the iceberg, Ali. I mean, there's pickpocketing, there's organized crime going on in the city, and it all stems that they all work the same area, are they all know. I mean, these people are not just sitting begging. They're looking at the situation, they're looking who's going to the banks. the are key places to get money out. They're watching everything that's going on. They're tipping the link to other people who are doing this, some maybe some vulnerable people, whatever. They're watching everything. It really needs to be sorted out. I mean, even if it comes to a stage, Ali, where you give them some sort of permit to do it, and then the police can come along and say, well, let's see your permit. And if you've not got a permit, move.
9: Move, yeah.
8: Something. Something to sort out who the good guys are for the bad guys. There's always been beggars, Ali. There always will be. But these people, what you've got to remember is that these professional beggars, of taking the food out of these poor people who depend on it.
1: OK, thank you very much indeed. Got to stop it there, John. Thanks for that. Um, just some of the comments that are coming in more on social media as well. We'll get to them in a second.
6: You're listening to Scotland's Talk In, the podcast. Join the conversation on Twitter at Scotland's Talk In.
1: On the way in the programme, still quite a few comments, by the way, coming up uh, regarding begging in our towns and cities across Scotland. Um, Let me just go back to a couple of comments, actually. Last Christmas, there was a beggar uh, at the side of the concert hall in Glasgow near to the bus station, swearing at people, going by saying he hoped that their bus or car crashed on their way home. There were children present and his behaviour was shocking. Were the police there to deal with it? No way. Uh, thank you, Kath, for that. But did anybody call the police? That's You can't just blame things on the police, surely. Um, they can't be everywhere unless they're told. Uh, here's another one that comes in and it says, uh, I watched this man from my workplace. He parked his car, which was brand new, by the way. I did take photographs of it. He took off his suit jacket and tie and he put them in the boot. He changed his shoes to an old pair of shoes, pulled on a work hoodie, took blankets and walked off. You can imagine I was shocked when I was walking through the city centre of Dundee a few hours later and there he was, sat next to the bus station begging. And yet he left his currents. So that's what we talk about, the professional beggars. That is what we're talking about. Thanks very much indeed for that. Okay, uh, as I say, if you've got a, an experience you want to talk about on professional begging or begging what it's doing to our cities and towns in general, then get in touch. In the next hour, do you think Weatherspoons is right to ban dogs from its pubs? We'll also be talking about the common sight in cities all over the world. I'm talking about the Gay Pride March, but is Inverness ready for it? We'll be talking about that and also uh, the talking about the new arrival in Dundee and for Scotland this week, the V&A Dundee. It's cost £80 million, but will it transform the perception of Dundee? All those subjects coming up on Scotland's talking. So, the news this week has been really filled with whatever newspaper you bought, whatever radio station you were listening to, um, television doing special programmes from the City of Discovery, Dundee. It was indeed the opening this week, and this weekend in particular, of V&A Dundee. Now, I would say on special assignment, but she's lived and breathed this, certainly, for the last week, is our reporter, uh, Hazel Martin. Hazel, good morning to you.
0: Good morning, Good Ali. Good
1: morning. Now, you've been so busy. Let's get the important things oh. out of the way. You've been so busy that you you haven't really had time to get your mum a birthday card, and it's her birthday today.
0: No, I've not. No, it's not. It's my my mum, Shona's birthday. Uh, she's 60 today, and she's in Salcombe with the girls. So happy birthday, mum. I hope you have a great day, and I'll see you when I've caught up in some sleep. That's
1: it. Get some sleep first. Yeah. Right. Okay, so busy, busy week. Uh, leading up to this, uh, you've been following this the the way of it for a couple of years now, and and seeing it all coming to to fruition. What did it mean for you as as a reporter to be there on the day?
0: Well, my very first story and my very first job, uh, which was here here at Radio T. Um, sorry, <laughs> was at. Um, the V&A, right. and it was when we were taken up to the highest point, point. Um, and that was marking uh, that milestone in the construction, so you're right, I've followed it, and I've lived, and I've breathed it, and do you know, I I feel now that it's open and now, you know, I've been inside it and seen it, it's it's quite you know, emotional actually, mm-hmm. <laughs> for me, yeah. um, just because I feel like I've seen it
1: grow. You have, you've seen it grow, and you've seen it coming mm. out of the water, and being up there, and you know, me too. I haven't been in it yet. I'll wait till the crowds have died down, you know, get my pensioners' rates to get in. Well, it's free, of course, isn't it? It's free to get in most it of, of it. It is free, yeah, yeah free. it is. Right, what's it going to do for the city?
0: Well, it's going to bring, obviously, a lot of tourism, um, jobs, uh, you know, a big economy boost. We've seen that all weekend, really, with, with the, the the buzz that it's brought and people coming from all over. I spoke to a, a girl that had come with her dad and they'd come all the way from Venice, to the opening weekend wow. um, and they'd applied for their tickets online and made the trip. So I just noticed in town yesterday and through the weekend people are just happy, do you know? And I just think it's a really nice thing to see and I think it will do a lot for, for Dundee right. and beyond.
1: You spoke to the council leader. Tell us mm-hmm. about that, Tell who he is and what he
0: Well, the council leader, John Alexander, um, We he was at the, the official opening yesterday and I was just asking him, you know, what he thought of it and he, he's been part of this this whole process as well, obviously. Um, so I just caught up with him on that and uh,
1: This is okay. what he said. This is what he said. Phenomenal. I've got goosebumps. Um just being in the building and seeing people queue up is so exciting. This is Dundee's opening and the vast majority of people coming through those doors today are going to be from a DD postcode which is just phenomenal and I can't wait to see people's faces as they come through the door and it's you know such a sense of pride um, and yeah phenomenal and I think the fact that you can see the river as well and you can sit and just relax and have a coffee and you know Kengo Kuma wanted this to be the city's new living room and I think it's going to be that. Um, and I was speaking to some of the community groups that got a sneak peek yesterday uh, and uh, there was a
6: couple of uh, elderly ladies, who were talking about, you know, I'm going to bring my, my newspaper in and have my coffee here in the morning, and that is exactly what we want. We want people to use this because this is for Dundee.
1: So there we have the council leader, John Alexander, talking about it. And I, I earlier this week was um, in Ireland, uh, Monday, Tuesday, and when I signed in, the, you know, the register from Dundee, sort of in my address, uh, I got the reaction. You know, it was, oh yeah, they're opening the V&A this week. So you're talking about people arriving from. Around the world, but uh, they're talking about it around the world, aren't they?
0: Yes, absolutely, they are. Um, I mean, as you as you said, first of all, it's it's been the story on everywhere uh, for the past the past week, certainly. Um, and yeah, there's, it's obviously it's Scotland's um, first dedicated design museum and the only v and outside of London, so it's a pretty big deal.
1: And that's a big deal on the waterfront as well. Um, when you walk in there, the various exhibits that were there, um, I know that for me, I want to see Charles Rennie McIntosh's mm-hmm. Oak Room. First time seen for 80 years. Uh have you been there? Have you,
0: oh, so, I did. Yeah? And it is it is spectacular. You know, you walk in and it's it's part of the Scottish Design Galleries. So there's an eclectic collection um, from, from all over Scotland. And and what design means to Scotland, and, and obviously at the heart of this is, is the oak room. And it's been completely restored to what it would have looked like. Um, and it is just phenomenal. It, it really is.
1: That was one of the questions that I was asked in Ireland was, what are they actually going to put in it? And at that time, I, I didn't really know. I just said... I don't know. You're going to be as surprised stuff. as I am, you know. But the, the stuff. But the, it's it's it is stuff that is going to be of interest to everyone.
0: Oh, absolutely. And obviously, it's 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 based in Dundee, so um, there are exhibits like um, there's a. a, a an edition, sorry, sorry, of of the Beano, and um, right. uh, in there, like a, a really rare edition, uh, we've got a, a screen as you walk in, and it's the the video game Lemmings, which of course came from the city that that's displayed, mm-hmm. um, and then just from all over Scotland, you know, you've got a, a Christopher Kane, Scottish designer Christopher Kane, a dress from him, um, and there is just there's you know a pair of pair of Hunter. Uh wellies you know there's just a a real mix of things and and it is really breathtaking you know when you walk in and you see it and obviously i've I've been on that journey, so mm. yeah it just is it is really amazing, you
1: know? and you caught up with some people just for the reactions,
0: well, yes, so at the the heart of um of V&E Dundee and the opening weekend, we've had the 3D festival, so obviously that's that's been uh, huge. Uh, and if you've been driving around the the city centre, you'll know all about <laughs> it.
1: It's been bloody oh, chaos. Oh my goodness! Sorry, but it has. Oh, I know.
0: I think that's warranted to be honest, Ali, because I was in my car and it took me half an hour to drive about. I mean. Yeah. Not, I don't even know. Meetings, Many roads anyway, are anyway. closed
1: off when they have a concert in this new uh, ex- new area, Mary Absolutely. Slessor Gardens. And I really say, great, it's fantastic we're doing that. But city planners and city fathers, you've got to find another (laughs) way. You cannot keep closing off a major arterial route whenever there's a concert on. Um, Don't I know it? I know. know.
0: Anyway, it was phenomenal. And, you know, Primal Scream played. There was a huge dance display um, organised and choreographed by Shaper Caper, a local dance company with 500 school children. Uh, from the from the local area. So that was that was amazing. So yeah, I was uh, catching up with people who were at uh, at the 3D Festival over the weekend and also at the museum. And uh, let's listen to what they had to say, shall we?
3: Fantastic.
0: It's great for Dundee and it's just amazing how many happy people are coming rocking
10: around saying hi. And, you know, it's such a great thing for Dundee and just loving it. Oh, I think it'll just... Put Dundee to the fore in Scotland, for sure. I'm from Perth and I'm
2: very disappointed that Perth doesn't have this and Dundee does have this. I'd love to have this in Perth.
11: Just really excited to see the new museum and loads of my friends are playing, loads
1: of local, great local artists. bands and artists. I think it's been amazing. It's such a good opportunity for everyone in Dundee. I think it just gives everyone a good opportunity to come down and see what the v is about and, yeah, just to get everyone involved. Indeed, that's it. Get everybody involved. I, I was at the concert on Sunday night with... Um, Katie Tunstall, of course, from St Andrews. And I did think of the, she went to school in Dundee um, and she quite often says, oh yeah, I used to go to school listening to Ali Bally's breakfast shots. Oh, <laughs> you know? I had to drop so, that one in yeah, there, No, Ali. no, I'm just thinking of uh, the difference in ages, you know. Um, but she, the amount of times that she must have come across the, the, the Tay Road Bridge going to school every day. And then all of a sudden she's on stage Looking out at this brand new uh, concert venue at Slessor Gardens. She was on stage uh, doing, she opened up and then um, Chrissy Hine, the Pretenders were on and then Simple Minds and Katie Constanzo came back and did a duet with Jim Kerr. So wow. it was an absolutely fantastic evening. Um, the rest of the, the week has just been like that, hasn't it? It's just been great uh, celebrations.
0: Oh, no, it absolutely has. As I said before, you know, the city has been, has been. Buzzing and there's been so much that's that's gone into the the planning and you know the how this this festival and and you know the actual opening itself is going to was going to all unfold and uh, I, yeah it's it's true when I say I've not slept much.
1: Three hundred exhibits in the free to enter Scottish Design Galleries that gives an example plus restaurants inside mm-hmm. and just it's lots good. to do it, it is great and of course adopted Dundonian Lorraine was there. She has to turn up, doesn't she? Oh,
0: she does. And she is of oh, a national treasure and I'm a big fan, so I was about trying to keep my composure. Um, so it was really great to, to see her there uh, and, you know, she was getting her first glimpse inside and I think she was she was quite blown away as, as we all were. So uh, I... Chatted to her and here's what she had to say about it. Well, I
10: don't know. I mean, I think people from Dundee are really proud of where they're from. You know, I say that as a Glaswegian, but I have lived here for a very, very long time. Um, But yeah, there's a lot to shout about, but they're not very good at shouting about it. And that's actually very endearing. But at the same time, sometimes you should.
1: That's it. You've got to learn to shout about it. And I think when, um, you know, I I, over the years have taken uh, many digs from uh, colleagues particularly in the west of Scotland, about living in Dundee. Um, so I'm, I'm proud to be here and uh, of the things that w- we are achieving and also the, the media and the fact, you know, they covered it so well throughout the world. Um, I watched the uh, BBC Two programme on uh, Friday evening with the fireworks and everything going off, watched it from the comfort <laughs> of my living room, basically because I wasn't invited anyway. But <laughs> I watched it there, and it was absolutely fantastic. Sends a great message out, but there are the negative comments. Um, you've been picking these up, Hazel.
0: Yes, no, definitely. Obviously, it'll. It's been widely, widely publicised that there have been, um, and it's kind of showing that um, some people feel that it's it's Dundee's very much a tale of two cities. Um, so obviously we've got this this major investment and in, in innovation and the whole waterfront project and V and A Dundee and everything. But um there are people who feel that it's money that should have been spent elsewhere. Um and, you know, with with the, the issues that we've we've got in the city with, you know, fuel food poverty, with drugs, do you know it's it's a feeling from some that um these issues are going unnoticed and, and overlooked. So that's something that's
1: that's been yeah these are feelings that i don't agree with i think you know they're not being overlooked they are being addressed as well as any other city is addressing them and if we turn down let's just say you know that 80 pounds 80 million pounds which didn't all come out the city coffers the government put a big slab in so you know and they would have put that into any city they would have gone into they've gone ahead with this What we've got is something that people will talk about. You just need to look around the waterfront at the new hotels. They are not just small hotels. They are big international companies who have decided to invest in the city of Dundee. They weren't here a year ago. They are here now. The Dundee, the hotels are open. They've invested because they see it as a way forward. Um, For years, we said we needed better uh, communications on the railway network. Uh, we needed a new station. We've now got a new railway station. It's got a hotel above it. It's not completed yet. The shops inside, etc. But we're, it's it's on the way. So all of these things that have been added are adding jobs to the area, whether it be in the hospitality industry. And boy, they need to get their act together in some places, um, you know. And, and that is one thing that I feel quite strongly about. And that I used to be in hospitality. And and somebody said on this programme not not that long ago. It was a, a, a granny talking about her grandson. She didn't want him going in. All that was left in, the, in Dundee was, was hotels, and, and she didn't want her grandson going into a hotel. Why not? If he starts in a hotel, or she, granddaughter, whoever, starts in a hotel training now, in a couple of years' time, they could be working in Barbados, they could be working on cruise ships, they could be doing anything, you know, so that it is what you make it. Grab the opportunities are there. Let's grab them. That's my thoughts. I, I
0: think you're no, I think you're you're absolutely right in that.
1: Let's go to Alison who's called in. Alison, hi, how are you?
10: Good morning. It's a wet, miserable day, but we're just heading out for a dog walk. But, <laughs> you, got, uh, you got
1: your Hunter Wellies and your Macintosh then.
10: No, no, that's a bit are posh for listening? me. <laughs> a bit
1: posh for you, the Hunter Wellies, is it? Right, okay. Okay, but, so uh,
10: I'm interested in this V and I mean it's a beautiful building, but the, the big question to me is, why did we have to get a Japanese architect? Surely we've got enough talent and innovation and... We've got plenty of people that are very talented in Scotland. Why okay. do we have to get a Japanese architect?
1: Alison, as I understand it, it was put out to tender. Um, and anybody could have come in with their thoughts. Um, and the, the designs were whittled down to the best one that they thought they come come up with and now, whether that architect was from Shuggle, Inver Inverkip, or China, it doesn't matter to me. Um, Hazel, you followed it closely. What, what was? Am I right? Is that the way it went through? Rough, Absolutely. Roughly.
0: So it was a, it was a design competition. And uh, yeah, as Ali said, it was put out to tender, and and then they picked they picked the one that they 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 liked the most. Um, but it is designed to, and it's inspired by Scotland because if you look at it, um, you'll see, and it is very like it actually. It's quite amazing. It's designed um to look like the the cliffs along the the northeast of Scotland.
1: Right, and of course that's these big concrete slabs yeah. you're talking about that have been individually put in place. Yeah, to deter the seagulls.
0: And they weigh. So do you know the big? There's big ones and small ones. Right. And the small ones weigh one point five tons, and the big ones weigh two tons each, and they're covered in them.
1: But Alison still thinks it should have been a Scottish designer. Yeah. Yes, without a doubt. But if the without if, a doubt, I think it's yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, but if still, I like
10: that. I like the build. I like the sh- I like the fact that it is slightly different than your usual. Everybody seems to just be designing like. You know, the blocks, the container blocks, square blocks boxes, the square yeah. blocks. Yeah, there's, I one mean, of,
1: there's one of them being built at the moment right opposite the v and a That's a lot of oh, that oh, I think
10: that's yeah. just, there's no design, there's no inspiration. Will these buildings still be standing in 100 years? I don't mm. think so.
1: Yeah, well, I think this one will. You're in Inverkit, will you make a, an attempt to go to Dundee and see this exhibition? Possibly.
10: Possibly. Depends on what sort of exhibitions they've got on. Obviously, its uh, I love going to Kelvin Grove. I think Kelvin Grove is an absolutely fantastic facility. Mm. And I hope that the VA would offer something similar.
1: Well, I think uh, when we talk about some of the things that are there, the um, as I mentioned, the uh, Rennie McIntosh Tea Room, which has not been seen for 50-odd years. It's been rebuilt Piece by piece, um, that's there. Um, many other things as well. Uh, Alison, thank you very much indeed for your thoughts on that. And, you know, also, if, if you have a comment, let's have it. 0332020401 2020 401, that's the phone number. If you'd like to give your comment, are you in the city of Dundee? There are some comments that this is no for me, son. Uh, why not? Um, you can go in there. You can have a cup of coffee. You can read the papers, as somebody was saying. You can look at the exhibitions, and it's free. So, what's not to like about it? It is in your city. Surely, embrace it.
7: Yep, agreed.
1: Good stuff. <laughs> right, back in a moment.
6: Scotland's talking, the podcast.
1: We've been talking about uh, the V&A Dundee, and Christine is in Aberdeen. Christine, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And what's your thoughts then?
11: Well, I'm an Aberdonian and um, I'm just only enough to say I think it's a great idea that uh, Dundee have gone ahead with this uh, inspirational V&A. And um, I'm sure it's going to be great for the city. It's just a pity that uh, living in Aberdeen that we can't seem to grasp a new idea that would pull in a lot of people and, and, you know, and, and get jobs for the city as well. We just don't seem to be able to do it. But here we go, Dundee is rejuvenating the city and it's wonderful.
1: It's been a long time coming though, Christine, while Aberdeen were Aber- going through the, the boom years of the oil, wasn't it?
11: Well, that's true. Um, and, and lots of things happened during that period, but we still haven't managed to do anything on any on the scale that Dundee have managed to do from being you know, a little city, Dundee, with not much going for it to build a, this up. And now, it, over a period of time, they've done many things in that city. And it's just a pity that Aberdeen doesn't seem to be able to match that.
1: Do you, do you no? think Aberdeen at the moment is going through a bit of a, a rough time then?
11: I think a little bit that way. Mm-hmm. We've had the, a little bit of an oil slump, if you like, um, which we seem to be pulling up a little bit with that, but we, ha- we still haven't managed to get, in fact, the tourists something special to be able to pull them into the city. Mm. Um, you know, and that seems to be a big problem.
1: Maybe, maybe yeah. the new roads network will help.
11: Well, it could help because before the network, um, we had people bypassing the city and maybe going from Glasgow right up to Inverness and further mm-hmm. um, but not stopping particularly in Aberdeen because what were they going to stop here for in the first place you know maybe just overnight and on their way again um, so maybe that yeah that could have something to do with it yeah definitely
1: christine thank you very much indeed for for your call uh positive thoughts there and um hazel is still with us hazel you you we were talking there about some of the negatives that, and and the negative comments seem to come from the Dundonians themselves, you know we're hearing great positive things from all around the world we were talking only a few months ago about the the positive feedback we're getting in American newspapers and American travel guides saying that Dundee is a place to go but there's there seems to be this still bit of a negative a tale of two cities as you said
0: well no as yeah as i as I did say um it's just surrounding um the f- the Poverty, you know, and mm. the in the food and fuel poverty. I think I think it's Dundee's is certainly the the highest has the highest rate of fuel and food poverty in Scotland. I, I think it might be the UK, but I'm not I'm not too sure. But it certainly is a is a huge issue, um, as well with drugs and the you know the drugs death capital Again, of Europe. Yeah, yep. As it's been you know as as it's been named this year, which which is is awful. Um, but steps are being taken to try and to try and help these issues and make these issues better. But no, I absolutely understand where, um people are coming from because do you know when if you do live in a in a place like that uh and do you know if you see these issues on your doorstep and then you do see all this fantastic investment that's going on do you know it it's it's a sense of being you know the city is is progressing and and you're being left behind behind and absolutely no i i understand both sides.
1: Okay, keep your uh, comments coming in if you would like to to comment on uh, V&A Dundee and what it will do for the city. Will it transform the perception of Dundee? As uh, sort of one of the questions we've been asking. The way to get in contact: travel one of the ways. O'Travel three twenty twenty four zero one is the telephone number. You can text six one zero five four. Start your message with Ali. Email Ali at uk. and we're on Twitter. If you're a tweet, then it's hashtag Scotland's Talkin'. We've also been talking about professional beggars in streets on the programme today. And I'd also like to uh, touch on this one. They're a common sight in cities, really all over the world. But is Inverness and the Highlands ready for a gay pride march? Plans for the Proud Ness event next month have proved divisive this last week. A petition was started calling on Highland Council to ban the parade on biblical, religious and moral grounds. The man who started off is Donald Morrison, who's a mission worker for the Free Church of Scotland. He told our North of Scotland correspondent, Brian Rutherford, what his objection was.
2: Why should homosexuals or anyone from the LGBT community want to promote their sexuality on any streets, and on on this occasion on the streets of Inverness. Whatever else may be said uh, about about them at the end of the day. You know, these parades, these marches, they have very little empathy or respect for moral values, for moral moral integrity. Are we saying that people from the LGBT community have no morals? Well, if they were, if they did have, they certainly wouldn't be promoting their lifestyles like this openly, flaunting their
1: lifestyles. And now there are at least two counter-petitions in support of the parade. Inverness MP Drew Henry told us the council should not give in to pressure to cancel it. Of course some people are objecting and they've got a right to uh, state their view. Um, But I think we also have to stand up for the rights of
2: freedom of expression. Um, particularly in a case where it's a very positive message about, uh, you know, tolerance and about people sharing uh, their, uh, th- their joy and and love for each other. Um, and that's a very important reflection of a modern city uh, like Inverness. And the people here, I'm sure the vast majority of the people here, uh, will be quite happy to see such a festive occasion, and to uh, enjoy uh, what will be probably a, a a great spectacle and and very colourful event.
1: So is Drew Henry correct? Will the people of Inverness. Uh, are you quite happy uh, to see this festival um, of celebration going down the streets of Inverness, or do you think it's a step too far? And maybe you were involved or not involved on one of the other Pride uh, events throughout Scotland. Um, what is your thoughts? They've they've been in various cities. Here's the number again, 0333 2020 401. Let us know. John McCutcheon. Hello, John. How are you?
12: How, how are you, Ali? What about this great Pride, we I'm a Christian, however, even God. And God created man, and God said he created man, and he created woman for man, and God created man and a woman to, to go forth and multiply. You can't multiply with two men and two women. And I think it's despicable cool to do that, because uh, look, there's a, Perth here, as a minister and Perth, had a great pride here. I mean, what's going on? I mean, sure, sure,
1: Surely they have every right to... To march, I, yes, I yes. you know, to to march if that's uh, what they want uh, to do, if they want to celebrate,
12: surely. Uh, I I what? I mean, I've got one for them that both are, but I don't want to see on air. It's ridiculous. I mean, what can they produce? What what what's what sort on of the end? Two men kissing a men two women, whatever they are, woman. I mean, we you and I had married, we have got a family, and we have a family. Uh, it's, uh, you have a family and a family and it's your family they, cannot, uh, they can't adopt children but, and adopted children the children where's my dad or where's my mum who is it I, I mean your, your own minister at the conservative party she's, uh, she's not having a baby at the moment but <laughs> it's ridiculous I, I think it's, it's it's immoral I spoke to ministers I spoke to my priest as well and he says to me I'm a Christian and he says "The God it's said a, mar- a mortal sin, which means when I die, I believe in Jesus. But when I die, He will not recognise them as whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's. I mean, the, the young children today. It's surely, it's today. surely, John,
1: John, John. It's surely but, down to everybody's own belief, and and you know. Uh,
12: yes, yes, correct. I mean, correct. you're
1: saying you believe in God. There are many who don't believe in God.
12: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you are correct, Ali. Yeah, and when the Jesus said, "If you don't believe in God before you die, it's too late."
1: John, thank you very much indeed. We shall leave your one there because we've got some more calls coming in. 0333 202 401. He was talking about the the Gay Pride March. Um, I'm going to just want to squeeze this subject in as well. Um, Weatherspoons have announced a complete ban, including in areas like beer gardens, of taking your dog in. And they've said it's because some children get upset. Well, why don't they ban children from pubs then? You know, it's... They're saying dogs can be unpredictable. So can children. So can some customers. Um, Assistance dogs are the only exception. So I'd ask you, are they right? in banning dogs from their pubs. Lee Paris is from the Dogs Trust and thinks Weatherspoons have got it wrong.
3: Dogs are very sociable animals. Um, I I personally believe, um, and it's the the view of the charity, that dogs should be better integrated with their owners' lives. So what we would like to see is establishments becoming more dog-friendly, not going the other way. From personal experience, I know owners who, you know, really dislike leaving their dogs um, alone for, for any period of time. Um, so things like going out for social occasions, drinks, and dinners. Um, I think that the these measures could actually put people off wanting to go out. At the core of this, I think uh, dog training um, is key. So um, w- we run uh, dog school classes. Um, we've got 26 dog schools across the UK um, that encourage positive training. Um, I do appreciate that not everybody likes dogs, but I, I don't believe that the balance um, it, a balance is being achieved in these cases where um, dogs are being completely banned from the establishment.
1: Lee Paris from the Dogs Trust, thinking there that Weatherspoons have got it wrong. What do you think? And a very good morning to Anne. How are you, Anne?
13: I'm fine, thank you, Ali. How
1: are you? I'm good. Good, thank you. Yes. So, what do you want to say then?
13: Right. I believe that Weatherspoons have always banned dogs from their premises, even outside premises. We have giant breed dogs. We have Newfoundland. They go everywhere with us, they go into all sorts of eateries, we sit outside with them, we have lunch, there's never any problem. We went to Sterling, sat outside at Weatherspoon, we went in to get coffee and something to eat, and they refused to be us because we had dogs sitting outside and we were asked to leave.
1: How do you feel about that? Do you understand why they do it?
13: <laughs> They're just completely dog-bying. They just don't want dogs in the premises. Our dogs are cleaner than some of the patrons, that I can tell you. They're putting people off. Um, we'll never go to a again, and a lot of our friends are the same. Our dogs are all well socialized, they're clean, they're well looked after. You know, we show them, we take them everywhere with us. There's never any problem. But the Weatherspoons are going a bit beyond it, I think.
1: Okay, thank you very much indeed. And it's good to, to get a comment from um, a dog owner and also one that has gone through that experience. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, let's go to Danoon. And David's there. Hi, David. Good morning to you. Very good morning. Ali. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Right, what's your comments then and points?
9: Yeah, hi. It's just regarding the um, the first call and mainly on the uh, subject of the pride in Inverness. Um, I mean, I don't know where they got him from. I mean, you know, are they trying to stone people? Is, is that going to be their, their next move? It um, was quick enough to get the Bible out, and it's um, the LGBT community over the head. Um, but it's just not on. This day and age, you know, it's, it's 2018. It's not 9 AD. Um, it's absolutely disgraceful, his opinion. Um, the thing that got me more than anything else is why did he say moral? Could you give an example of what was moral or not moral with the LGBT community? Mm. Um, As a guess, maybe it's suggesting that the majority of the LGBT community are promiscuous. Well, they're not. But then again, there's many married couples who have affairs. So it works both ways.
1: Do you think that, John, who you're talking about, or caller there, uh, is just... um, he will never change his mind. It, that is his views. On, absolutely. On, yeah, yeah. So no matter what you say, or you try, I don't think you'd be able to sit down and have a uh, a rational conversation and the thoughts that you might change his mind.
9: Oh, absolutely. Now, and, and to be fair, I wouldn't try to. Um, everyone's entitled to the opinion, and that's great, and that's how it should be. But at the same time, he's no better than somebody from the LGBT community. Um, and it's, you know they want to uh, have kids and if they adopt they're not the proper parents he was coming out with and
1: that's just absolute rubbish. Again his thoughts looking at his upbringing and his beliefs is that a child should have two parents um, and and I would ask surely it's better to have two parents that love and look after a child than one parent or two parents who actually might not put the the, the the needs of the child at the top of their priority list?
9: I mean, obviously, the, the child should come first every time, but at the same time as well, you know, this day and age, there's no such thing as the mum stays at home, the dad goes to work, and there's 2.2 children in the house. It's not like that anymore. And I, I just think that maybe if this gentleman opened his eyes a little bit more, he would see that. The majority, I would think, speaking from my own experiences, it's a damn good job that a lot of people in the LGBT community have a thick skin because they need it with opinions from the Stone Age like that.
1: David, thank you very much indeed for getting in touch. Uh, Saul's been looking after your... um, tweets uh today what do you got for us So
3: there's one here from cecilia cecilia on the beggar story and um, she says i get abuse all the time from beggars on the streets of glasgow when i'm going about my daily business and have no change to give them i've been called all sorts of names by the beggars themselves just because she said she can't give them a, a pound in, the, in their jar she gets abuse for that.
1: Right. And that's, again, what we're talking about The uh, earlier on. Just in case you missed it, we're talking about um, beggars who are in a business as a beggar. And it's not illegal to beg on the streets. It only becomes illegal when they become aggressive. Here's one in from Alan. He says, Re, the guy that was on about morals and speaking, Re, Catholic Church and priest. The Catholic Church have a lot to look at, Re, morals, regarding their own history. Thanks, Alan.
3: Well, from what I can gather from Isabel's comment here, um, she seems to change her appearance when she goes into the city centre. She says, I always go into the city centre dressed like beggars and they never come near me. But she would never go into the city dressed in good gear and with a camera around her neck for some bizarre reason.
1: All right. Okay. Um, Tourist might. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes.
3: Um, Any more? Uh, Yeah, one more from Catherine. Um, She says that she wishes they would deal with the beggars because they're uh, all over her city centre and it's full of them.
1: I think that is the problem. We've been talking about that today, that it's not just specifically um, for uh, Glasgow City Centre, as we heard in Natalie's report. Um, It seems to be there is a problem all over. Um, Hazel's still here with us. Do you think that is likely to increase in Dundee? There are a few in Dundee, but... With the millions of tourists that they're talking about coming in, um, it could be something that the, these uh, organised groups are going to, going to get themselves. Well, let's get up there.
12: I've
0: heard people saying that. You know, there's been whispers about about that in the last in the last couple of days. Um, I think we'll just have to wait and see, won't we?
1: Indeed, that is it. Uh, Natalie Crawford, Hazel Martin, Brian Rutherford, so Siv Rights, Thank you very much indeed for contributing towards Scotland's talking today.